0: Just take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Begin reading in a few moments with the uh, first verse. Young woman had broken off her engagement to her fiance. A couple of months later, she sent him a letter. She said, I realize I have made the biggest mistake of my life. I, I have found out that my heart can contain no one but you. I want you to forgive me. And if all possible, I want you to take me back. I love you. I love you. I love you. And she wrote love and signed her name. Then she put P.S. Congratulations on winning the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think she loved him? Or did she love the thought of having a whole lot of money? Do we just love Jesus when things are going well for us? When he's doing what we think he ought to do? Some some people do. And then when things don't go too well, then... You know, Christianity is a marvelous thing. It offers us some marvelous things. It offers us the forgiveness and cleansing from our sin, like Tammy was talking about. It offers us acceptance by God Himself. It offers us the hope of eternal life in God's presence with us now. But Christianity also makes some demands upon us. And we're going to look at a passage this morning that shows us some of those demands. And it was written by a man who knew the demands, the Apostle Paul. You see, when he was first in Philippi, when he first got the church going in Philippi, he got arrested and he got beaten and he got thrown into a prison chained to the wall. He was released from that. Later on, he got put in prison again. And so this letter was written to the Christians at Philippi by a man that was in prison who knew who are following the demands of Christ could lead. And so we're gonna look and see what he had to say. Philippians chapter one, beginning with verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, Now, understand something, this was written by Paul and it was written to the believers at Philippi. It, w- it was written to the church. Now, this was addressed to us as individuals, but understand it's addressed to all of us as the church. So, so we kind of have to look at this passage and understand it not just from what I do as an individual but we need the understanding of what does it mean for me as I am a part of the church and live out my life as a believer within the confines of a church. So keep that in mind. Now, we need to uh, see what he's going to be talking about here, and he is going to show us clearly what he means with this gospel and with this passage of Scripture. He reminds us, first of all, that we are to live in a way that is worthy of Christ. We're to live in a way that is worthy of Christ. Now, what does it mean to live in a way that is worthy of Christ? It means that we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, the good news of Christ. It means that we live in a certain way. Now, in that passage, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner. That phrase, conduct yourselves, kind of had the idea of citizenship. Philippi was a colony of Rome. That meant that the citizens of Philippi had all of the rights and privileges of somebody who lived on Italian soil. Since it was a colony of Rome, it gave them those rights and privileges. And so, we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of Christ and, you know, count ourselves as citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven, and we're to live as citizens of heaven. Now, look over at chapter 3, verse 20. Paul makes that clear. He says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We, we, are, we are, have a citizenship in heaven. We are like people who are from another country living in a, this land, but our citizenship is elsewhere. As believers, our citizenship is in heaven. Notice he also says... Conduct yourself in the manner worthy of the gospel, whatever happens. A lot can happen to us in life, can't it? You know, illness, financial reversal, you know, things going on in people's lives we know and people's lives we love, the, the inner turmoil we go through sometime. no matter what comes, as believers, what gets first place? first place is supposed to be conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Worthy of the good news of Jesus. And that should always be in our minds that no matter what comes we're going to meet it in a way that would bring honor to Christ. We're going to meet it in a way that would show that we are citizens of heaven. Now, how are we going to do that? How can we conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of Christ? Well, he spells that out for us. He shows it to us. Verse 27, he says, stand firm in one spirit. Another place Paul wrote, he wrote to the Colossians, and he said, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be men of courage, be strong. Again and again, we're reminded in the Scripture to be strong in the faith. Stand strong in the faith. Now, Suppose you were having a tug-of-war. How would you like to have a tug-of-war if you were in your sock feet on carpet? (laughs) You'd probably be pulled around pretty easily, wouldn't you? You could stand firm better if you were outside, an athlete that had on shoes that had cleats in them. Then you could stand firm, not be pushed around so easily. What the scripture is saying to us here, stand firm, stand firm. Stand for God and against Satan. Stand for righteousness and against sin. Stand for truth. Stand against falsehood. We're to take our stand. We're to stand for these things, the right. But don't miss there that it says, stand firm in one spirit. And that means as a congregation, We stand firm in one spirit. Sometimes we miss that. We are standing together. We're not alone in our defense of the gospel. We are seeking to stand firm with one another. And that means we understand that we are taking a stand for Jesus, that we're all committed to Him. It means that we're going to all be caught up in His purpose, which is to glorify God. It means that we're going to be caught up in His mission, which is to share the good news of Jesus. And we're going to do that together. We're on the same team. We stand firm together. If we want to live worthy of the gospel of Christ, then we take seriously that we are standing in one spirit together. And when we understand that, some of these little differences that have a tendency to divide us aren't going to be that important because we're on the same team working for the same Lord with the same purpose. It says something else there in verse 27. It says that we are to contend as one for the faith. Contend as one for the faith. Now, another passage of the Bible that reminds us of this. This is from another writer, Jude. He said, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. We're to contend for the faith. What's the faith? Well, the faith is this whole book of God. It's what's been delivered to us. And the faith is the good news about Jesus. That Jesus came and He lived among us. That Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. That Jesus was raised from the dead so that He might show that He's the victor over sin and death. That Jesus ascended into heaven where He's at the right hand of God making intercession for us. That Jesus is going to come again and that Jesus is going to reward those of us who follow Him. That's the faith. And we're to contend for it. We're to stand for it. We're to seek to make it known. We're not not to back down from it. And we're to pass it on to others. We're to pass it on to others. Paul wrote to Timothy. And when he wrote to Timothy, he said this, In the things you have heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. We contend for the faith when we pass it on to our children, when we pass it on to the children in the church, when we pass it on to those who don't know about it and are maybe children in the faith. We pass it on, we stand for it, we share it, we pass it on. And notice again what he says Contend as one. As one we're not in this by ourselves this is something we do together we do it with one another again we're on the same team each of us has a responsibility and when we put it in our minds that we're going to do what God has given us to do in this church so that we might advance the faith and defend it and seek it, see it spread then we're going to live in that way and we're going to do what we can do what God has given us to do to fill our responsibility and we're going to support others and we're going to encourage others as they fulfill theirs so that together we might advance together we might contend together we might share we don't look out for our own glory we look out ultimately for God's glory and for his purpose and again, he's making us understand that if we live in a way that's worthy of the gospel of Christ, we do it together. And we work together on it. And we strive helping one another in what needs to be done. And then he says, Do not be frightened, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you idea these words were sometimes used of a, of a horse that would you know easily be frightened and run away up in Newberry where I lived for so long there was a big tract of land that was given to the the uh, government there and it's been developed as kind of a recreation area just in this natural state and there's a road that runs through it and it's about five miles long and you can ride your bike there you can walk there you can ride your horses there whatever a while back, I was riding my bike along that road. It's just a, it a really neat ride. Well, I always ride with a helmet. Sunny day, I had on sunglasses, riding my bike. Came around the corner, curve, and here came two horses with riders, one behind the other. And the rider on the first horse jumped off the horse, and she got in front of the horse, and she grabbed the reins and held on real tight and started yelling at me, say something, say something, let him know you're human. (laughs) And, And I started talking to her so that the horse would know I was human. And I guess, well, I think about it. Here's an apparatus, but it looks kind of funny, and there's some creature sitting on it that has this head. It looks different. I guess it could shy the horse. (laughs) (laughs) Paul said, don't be like a skittish horse. Don't let people back you down. Don't let people frighten you off. Don't be frightened by those who would oppose you. You We take a stand for the Lord Jesus. And we try to not be scared away. Try not to be moved away we try to be bold in the faith and to do what Christ has called us to do try not to be frightened now these things are necessary we need to understand these things because you see as believers we need to expect opposition we need to expect opposition you will be opposed you're taking a stand for the Lord Jesus, you're going to be opposed. One way or another, it comes. It's just clear here. If you look at uh, verse 28, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. Opposition's going to come. Jesus made that plain himself. John, chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus said, If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. The world hated Jesus. The world's going to hate us because we're not of the world. We don't act like they do. We don't think like they do. We don't get involved in the things they do. So the world says, hmm, you're different. I'm suspicious of you. Maybe I don't like you. You make me feel guilty. I don't want you around. The world's going to hate us. Expect opposition. There's a restaurant up in North Carolina that uh, had had this thing that, you know, if you said your prayer out loud for your meal, then they would give you a 10% discount. Well, this group out of Wisconsin that's, you know, trying to eradicate a religion in our country, sent them a letter threatening they were going to sue them because of that. You know, people are going to oppose us. They're just going to take a stand against us. And we need to know not to be frightened. Now, this doesn't mean that we go around trying to stir up trouble on purpose. It doesn't mean like we're trying to get ourselves involved in something that's automatically going to make people dislike us. But we need to understand if we are living for Christ that it's not always going to be easy. There are going to be some that oppose us. You might be a, a businessman and your boss engaging in some shady business practices and, and you won't be a part of it and so you don't get the promotion he had promised earlier. Or you may be a teen and when your friends go to drugging and drinking, you, know, you don't participate with them. So the next time there's a party, you aren't invited, and they don't hang out with you anymore. Let me tell you what happened to one of our kids that had, in elementary school, one of, the, one of the children from this church. He had a new friend. He invited a friend to come to church with him, and his little friend said, I'm not going to church with you. We don't believe in God, and I don't want to hear any more about him. A child. Where'd you hear that? mom and daddy. We're going to be opposed. We don't have to go looking for trouble. If we're seeking to live for Christ, it's going to happen. And we just need to know that we're not supposed to be afraid. We need to know that it's going to happen. Forewarned is forearmed. but you know what it does? It shows that you are saved. Look at the last part of that verse. But that you will be saved and that by God. If you're going through some difficulty because of your faith, then you're a pretty good indication that, hey, you're doing the right thing, that you're on the right side, that you have received salvation. So it it shows that you're saved. And it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Look at verse 29. For It has been granted to you on behalf of God, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. God grants it. He allows it. It's a privilege. The book of Acts is a history of the early church. And in that, there is a time when the apostles had been out sharing the good news of Christ and the same group that you know, got Jesus crucified didn't like it. And they kept telling them they'd better be quiet and they better be preaching about Jesus and, and they wouldn't quit. So what happened to them? Well, they had the apostles on kind of a, you know, before their court they called the apostles in and had them flogged. means they had them beaten. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Isn't that amazing? Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name. It's a privilege. And oh, is it going to bring a reward? more than we could possibly imagine. And then it's an opportunity to share Jesus, an opportunity to share Jesus. Sometimes that gives us one of the best opportunities to share Jesus. Sheila and Mark with a couple had children, moved into a new home. They didn't know how their neighbors, you know, were gonna like them having children that played outside a lot. They didn't, wasn't real sure about, you know, their dog. They had a dog. Well, One long before the kids were out playing in the yard and the ball went over the neighbor's fence. The boy climbed over the fence, went to get the ball. The neighbor was waiting. What are you doing in my yard, boy? Get out of here. Better not let that ball come back again. And he cussed him. Mama heard. A little bit later, Mama, whose name was Sheila, heard the dog barking. She went out to quiet the dog. The man was at the fence. You keep that dog quiet or I'm calling the police. And he cussed again. And she said her face turned red and hot, angry words came to mind. But she prayed and said, Lord, help me to figure out what to do. Later that day, she was baking some muffins. And so she made two batches. And she prayed for courage. And she went over and offered the guy a batch of muffins. He didn't say much, but he took them. And she kept trying to do kind things for him. And eventually she got to lead him to the Lord. Now, when we don't feel threatened, when we have things going well in our life, we can talk about Jesus and share Jesus. And that can be effective. But when we do feel threatened, when we are opposed, when things are going well in our lives, We can share the good news, and it probably makes even more of an impression. Because the people begin to think, hey, where do they get the strength to do that? How can they have that kind of attitude? How can they stand up under what they're going through and still be devoted to the Lord? And that's the way we're supposed to be. We're reminded, we are reminded in the Scripture over and over that God is with us, that He cares for us, that He's not going to us. Don't, don't you love that passage of Scripture that Carol read earlier in the service? First of all, it reminded us that the enemies of God are going to be destroyed. Those who oppose you one day won't be there to oppose you. Scripture says you'll look for them and not find them because they're gone. One of these days, the enemies aren't going to be there. But it also reminds us that even in the midst of our struggles, even when we're facing opposition, that God is with us. And you know what it said? I will take my right hand and grab your right hand. The strong right hand of God takes our hand and He holds on to us. And He helps us persevere. And he helps us to keep living a life that's worthy of the Lord. So we come back to the key question Is my conduct worthy of Christ? Is your conduct worthy of Christ as an individual believer? Is your conduct worthy of Christ as one of the members of this church and how we live together and how we work together? Is it worthy of Christ? Remember what Christ said? It's an interesting passage in John chapter 12 when Jesus knew that he would soon be facing the cross. He said, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. How about that? Jesus didn't shy away from the cross. That's the reason He came. And He was going to follow through with it no matter how much it cost Him. And He did. And then Jesus tells us something else. Jesus said to them all, If anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow Me. You see, the gospel has great good news. But the gospel... Is a demand that we deny ourselves, that we take up our cross daily. Each and every day we get up the determination to follow Jesus and to live for Him. It's not easy. It's a demand, but that's what it takes to live a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let me give you some encouragement. It comes from the beginning of this book. All started out by saying grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. The grace of forgiveness. The grace of acceptance. The grace of salvation. The grace of strength to face no matter what comes into our lives. The grace to live in a way that honors God. Grace to you. Your gift. It's there to begin with. And peace. Peace doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy. But peace means that in the midst of it all, you know that you're not alone, that you have a Savior. He sees, He understands, and He is with you, and He's never going to fail you. He's never going to forsake you. He's always going to be with you, and He's going to reward you eternally. And so, ask yourself today, Is my conduct worthy of the gospel of the Christ who gave himself for me? Is it worthy in the way I live my individual life? Is it worthy in the way I cooperate with my fellow church members? Maybe today, you need to come and say, Lord, I'm going through a hard time. Help me be faithful. Help me to be faithful. Whatever comes, Lord, help me to live a life worthy of my Lord Jesus. Maybe you need to say that to God today. Maybe you need to come here to the front and pray about it. Maybe you need to tell me and we'll share in the congregation will pray for you. Maybe you've decided that I need a Savior. I need a Savior who's died for me. I need a Savior who is making the difference in the lives of believers I see around me and I want what they've got. And You would come and accept Jesus as Savior. Maybe you've accepted Him as Savior and today you will make it public that you have received Him. Maybe you'll put your membership in this church. You know what God's calling you to do. Respond to Him, the one who made you, the one who loves you, the one who is with you, and the one who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Our invitation hymn is 371.